0: The Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier in this beautiful new year of 2021, joined by the effervescently dressed, bubbly shirt Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? I'm great. Christian, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good now that we're having a conversation. Yeah, this so, is this, uh, this could be bubbles, you know, in, in
1: your in, in your drink. Yeah, that's what it looks like, and you've got your in, in, in your bowl. La Croix uh, uh, Pamplemousse uh, essence water.
0: <laughs> well, you've got this nice lighting behind you. So yes, you look very, very effervescent. Uh, very
1: I'm, trying to, I'm trying to match the, the blue. And, and today, by the way, you're supposed to wear blue because it's the, uh, you know, awareness for, um, you know, victims of, of, of sex trafficking. And uh, so wearing blue on the 11th of January to show you are against that and
0: support those victims. Well, I'm glad you uh, brought that up. I did not know that was today, so I appreciate you making us all aware. Well, uh, we're recording this on a Monday. It is Monday, right? Yeah, it today. is Monday. And yeah, t- I, I know this because, you know, tomorrow's Tuesday. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, very, very uh, smartly deduced there, uh, Mr. Horn.
1: Well, so, it's also my birthday,
0: so, I, so I, I am aware. It's your birthday today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's your birthday. Yeah. Oh, wow. Tomorrow's your birthday. So that's fantastic.
1: What are you going to do for your birthday? Anything exciting? Well, thank you. Yeah. So I've (laughs) I've actually had most of the celebration. I took uh, my wife, Jen, and I took my sons on Saturday to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. We love Ruth's Chris. They have a process of cooking their steaks where they just, you know, they just put salt and pepper and then they have this like 1600 degree oven that heats it from both sides and then they put it on this super hot plate of just melted butter that just is just unbelievable and so we get we usually get uh, um, oh what's that I'm, I'm, i don't know why i'm blanking out but it's it's that porterhouse have you had a porterhouse steak before i have i have but so I'm we more took of a filet mignon guy But, but so Um, it has filet, right? So we got two porterhouse steaks. And so on one side, one side is the filet is is. filet. And the other side is New York. So we got two of those and they bring them, you know, sliced up and it's just, they take them off the the bone and they, they rub it on your plate with the butter. And oh my gosh, Christian, it's just amazing. So we did that. And then yesterday we had some family, you know, some of my kids came over and my, my wife, Jenna made, homemade chicken enchiladas and Mm. and uh fudge brownies and then i I don't know what we'll do tomorrow it's 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 pretty much been done but we we may just uh have some ice cream or something maybe some candles and cake
0: that sounds awesome (laughs) the nice thing about the roost crisp plate is it keeps the food
1: warm throughout the, the meal you know yeah, and it's uh, it's 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 seriously one of our favorites. We don't we don't go often, maybe on an anniversary because uh, it's just it's so amazing. Yeah, awesome. Well, and uh, happy
0: birthday one day early. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay, Well, very good. It sounds like you had an exciting weekend. We basically watched football on Saturday because the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Who are you um, cheering for? Well, I'm a 49ers fan, so uh, my team's out uh so i didn't really have any uh, i don't have any team that has any skin in the game other than i'm not a fan of the seahawks and they lost to the rams so i was pretty happy about that um it was nice to see tom brady uh win and then cleveland beating pittsburgh was uh last night was pretty amazing although i did not watch the game
1: yeah i well i was actually cheering for washington to beat beat tom brady because i i'm an alex smith fan i mean that comeback that he's even though he didn't play in the game and i think he's five and one as a starter or something like that yeah he's five and one as a starter their backup uh, quarterback
0: played really really well in fact uh, my son and i we were just kind of looking at each other and saying who do we actually want to win this game? Because this guy is playing so great. What a, you know, it's like the ultimate underdog story.
1: I was just really cheering for, for Washington. They, they have not had, you know, great seasons and, and Alex Smith, I wanted him to have a chance to, to play in the, in the playoffs. So that's who I was, was cheering for. You know, I, I have been, um, in the past a 49ers fan, this, I love Kansas city and I love, you know, their coach is, is, is a great guy. And, um, You know, I'm not a super huge fan of Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's, you know, he's a great, great quarterback. But um, I just think the world of of, now I'm forgetting his name. Who's the coach of of Andy Reid, Andy Reid. He's just such a good person and a good guy. And the people that play for him just love him. And his coaching style is is one that is a great example of how to create a a great team performance and having his people perform above even, you know, their, their skill levels. He's done such a great job over the years with the Eagles and now with, uh, with, with Kansas city, I think he's a great coach and and I respect him and, and, and I cheer for, for, for them just for him. (laughs) Plus, plus Alex Smith used to be there. Right. And he, that's right. He he, he played for Andy Reid and, and, uh, so I, you know, that's, that's my Utah connection.
0: I'm originally from the Bay area. So I've been a
1: lifelong
0: uh, 49ers fan and they've, they've had plenty of glory years,
1: but this they year they, they have, they have. You know, we, we had a lot to talk about when it came to, to goals and we, you know, I think we, we could um, really spend some more time on that. What do you think? I think so. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about
0: how to get past the quitters. um, Yeah. Quitters day. And, uh, and so that was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, And I'm looking forward to learning more about how we overcome quitters day how we set goals that are lasting, you know, that, uh, are not fleeting. And so I'm Great. excited to hear what you have to say today on the subject.
1: Well, you know, did you set some new year's resolutions goals? Did you set some goals this year? I purposely did not because I wanted to kind of,
0: I wanted to let time go a little bit oh. and then see where I was at. And part of that is laziness. Part of that was, wanting to avoid the pressure of new year's day you know or setting goals of the new year saying yeah. hey what you know why do i need to do this january 1 i i can let so, you, let, so you're let, a little I bit I of a rebel a bit. i am a little bit of a rebel i guess in that in that sense you know it's so, well i don't want to do it on the first of january maybe um i'll
1: take stock mid-January. Uh, or- you know, you don't have to do your strategic plan or your goal setting when everyone says you have to do them. You can you could say, you know, February's... Actually, you know, February is the Chinese New Year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just found out yesterday. We always thought that my wife and I were both the year of the snake, 1965. But I'm actually year of the dragon because I even though I was born on January 12th, 1965. Now everybody knows how old I am. Um, I'm, I'm until I guess January something or or February. That's the year before. So I'm, I, I'm considered part of 1964, which is year of the dragon. Ah, yeah. I don't know what, I I don't remember what I
0: am. I was born in 67, May of 67. So what does Uh, that make me?
1: I don't know. uh, Do you like luxury?
0: I've never considered myself as a luxurious person. In fact, I would say no. And I will give you a little anecdote. I know we need to get into our topic here, but I will <laughs> give you a little, a little anecdote. So back in the 90s, I thought, yeah, luxury, that's good. Um, job's going well. I'm going to reward myself. I bought myself a used luxury car, not a new one, a used one. And I felt kind of so, uh, self-conscious driving it around. And and I realized that you know what, um, that's not your deal. probably not for me. And that's not a criticism of anybody else who drives a luxury car. It, it just for me it didn't feel like me. I just felt like kind of the normal person. And so, I and I really liked that car. Uh, it was an Infiniti Q forty five, and it had a beautiful V eight engine and
1: Infinity.
0: Nice ride. But uh, one of the original ones, like nineteen ninety, was the year um of the vehicle but i would you i just kind of like yeah i I just it just didn't fit me i'm I'm well you're that's because
1: you're not you're not the the pig you're actually the goat and you want to hear what the goat's personality is what's the goat's personality calm and gentle Ah. people born in the year of the goat are generally believed to be gentle mild-mannered shy stable sympathetic amicable and brimming with a strong sense of kind heartedness and justice. They have very delicate thoughts, strong creativity and perseverance and acquire professional skills well. Although they look gentle on the surface they are tough on the inside, always uh, insisting on their own opinions in their minds. They have strong inner resilience and excellent defensive instincts. Although they prefer to be in groups they do not want to be the center of attention. They're reserved and quiet, most likely because they are spending a lot of time in their own thoughts. Goats like to spend money on fashionable things that give them the first class appearance. Although goats enjoy spending money on the finer things in life, they are not snobbish.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's totally correct, but that's kind of interesting um, because I would consider a luxury vehicle one of the finer things in life. Uh, Right. And I gave that a shot and it just wasn't for me. Not yeah. And I, I, but I do have to say like, I'm a huge fan of sports cars. I love the way they look, Yeah. but then the practical side of me comes out and like, well, I can't really haul anything in it and it's really low to the ground. I have a hard time getting in and out. Of so it. that's
1: not going to be one of your goals to have one of those things. No. Nope. <laughs> well, you know, you're not alone in, in not making resolutions other than, you, you know, you might in the future, but 59% of Americans actually refuse to make resolutions. Did you know that? I did not know that. What's the yeah. reasoning? Well, I, I, I think they just uh, don't want to be held bound by a commitment that they know they're going to break. So that's possibly why. And and so they make them infrequently. Um why go through the trouble of, of setting a, a goal that you probably won't achieve? And then you might feel worse about yourself than you did if you did nothing. It's like, you know, if there's no bar or there's no goal to make and you don't do it, well, then you don't feel bad about yourself. And so, you know, if the, st- if the statistics about how few Americans achieve their goals are accurate, maybe a majority of Americans have a point.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, low expectations, (laughs) right? Well, but 145 million of us, uh, of which I'm one, uh, do set resolutions. And they're usually for things like, you know, we talked last time, like weight loss, I think 21 and a half percent are, are usually goals about weight loss. 12, almost 13% make more money. 7.1% quit smoking. Uh, I think 62 say spend more time with loved ones. I think we talked about that last time. Uh, provide more service, 5.2%. And, uh, but only 9.2% of all those 145 million people actually achieve their goals. So maybe that's the reason why 59% of us don't set goals. What do you think? Maybe so, because
0: 90% of us are failures at the end of the day right <laughs> if only if only 9% of people are actually achieving their goals then what does that say about the rest of us uh, as a general population not doing so great
1: well so, so let me ask you this then why do so many continue the practice i i think
0: and this is total conjecture here. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, but off the top of my head, I would say two things. Number one, it's tradition. Uh, yeah. We just have an expectation. Which you want to buck that tradition apparently. Yeah, but but there is an expectation that a new year comes and it's, and it's nice because just like we have annual performance reviews at work or whatever, it's kind of a, a time for us to take a, an inventory of ourselves and, and uh, see what we want to do uh to improve ourselves so part of its tradition and part of it is uh at the end of the day i think most of us realize that that we actually can be better people um and we we want to progress we we want to do better than we did before so i think there's a natural there's there's a natural inclination to want to to
1: be better and And it expresses
0: itself at new year's through resolutions
1: but, but you're right in the sense that what you said earlier is that, you know, think about, you know, if we set a goal and we don't achieve it. And, and there's a lot of people in society that are are quite, you know, they're driven, they're motivated, they're in many ways, they're perfectionistic. There's a culture here in Utah that is that that one that that is one that really focuses on, you know, pushing your children to achieve, to get into good schools. It actually causes a lot of unhappiness and, and, and a high level of suicide rates because of just all the, you know, the challenges. And so there's a lot of people that, that, that struggle with self-worth because they feel like they should be doing better or, or they're not achieving the success that they feel like they should have. And so a lack of satisfaction could be a, a real issue that is causing people to say, listen, I just don't want to put that extra pressure on myself. What about I think, you? Did you well, set goals for this year? I, I did, absolutely did, and I, you know, I have I have some some big goals around my relationship. I talked a little bit about that. I actually talk to my wife about rating our, our relationship. I don't want to get into that anymore. I'm not going to talk about her or, or expose, you know, how, how that came out, but there's work for, for me and her to, to do, which is, which is great. We acknowledge, we also acknowledge that, you know, in spite of all the craziness that's going on, there's some things that we're doing pretty well. So I have goals around that. I have goals around our business. I have a goal to publish a book uh, this year and, and I'm, I'm, um, that's a, a big thing. I have health goals. I have goals to uh, to do something, you know, as a family, we want to have family reunion and go to Canada. I want to climb mountains. I have a lot of things that, that I'm planning on doing. And, but today what I want to talk about is, is why so few of us, you know, last time we talked about Quitter's Day, but I, I really believe that there's a reason why only nine plus percent of us achieve those goals. And I think Part of it is how we actually set the goals. And, you know, if you look at those resolutions that I was talking about, lose weight or, or you know, stop smoking, uh, you, you know, what do you notice about, about that list that I rattled off? Well, I think for a, a lot of people... Um, goal setting
0: is an individual exercise. Like I just okay. do it myself. You mentioned though, that you had set goals with your wife and, and you set goals with your family. And that I think is an interesting concept, which is uh, group goal setting uh, instead of just individual goal setting. And I'm curious right. if there's any differences in the metrics, you know, between goals that are shared versus goals that are, Uh, this the sole property
1: of one individual well I I think that one of the 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 answer is there there can be or they can be they can be part of the problem why so many people don't achieve I mean businesses don't achieve their strategic initiatives like we talked about last time and and so those are those are collective goals right I mean we we're doing a family goal about getting out of out of debt but it's not just a. Here's the reason why I think that some of those goals don't get achieved is because of just the broad nature of focus. You know, like you know, be healthy, or you know, we we, we talked about I want to you know what do I want to become? But the goal itself is 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 too broad. You know, get out of debt. Well, that's that's where we want to go. But what is it that that I get to do to make that happen? And we're not often clear about what the goal actually. What it will take to get there, and we overcomplicate it, or we don't really define what it is that that is uh, that needs to happen. So, for example, you know, what does self-improvement look like? You know, how much more time are you going to spend with your loved ones? You know, where will that time come from? How much weight will you lose, and by when? And how much time will you exercise each week? You know, many goals tend to focus on a massive or extreme change. And then when life gets busy and we have opposition, like we talked about last time, you know, we quickly lose track or give in. If it, you know, if we go to a party and we blow our, our, our eating diet, then we're just like, well, I, I can't do it. And, and it's not fun anyway. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. So as a result, those goals no longer seem sustainable and with fatigue, our will to pursue those, those goals can, you know, can, can falter. And we resist the change that is required and we go back to our old habits. And that same thing happens in organizations.
0: One other thing, though, that I think uh, is... Important when it comes to organizational goals is they are often made using a certain set of assumptions that either may be incomplete, incorrect, or may change substantially uh, over a period of time. You know, so sometimes, uh, oh yeah, we're we're in merger and acquisition mode. Uh, uh, we end up making a uh, an acquisition uh, that is based on some information. And then, you mean, know, how, how many times have, have we been involved with or known people or even just read in the news about acquisitions of organization companies that end up being wildly overvalued? Right. Um, you know, land, you know, the landscape, uh, changes and you need, you need to make adjustments to it. I just think that sometimes, uh, that can also happen in our individual goal setting. You know, sometimes we we set assumptions or we make goals based on a set of assumptions that may not be entirely correct. Maybe we need to question some of those assumptions. I mean, have you have you noticed any of that in your own experience, uh, either personally within your families, you're setting goals or with clients as they're uh, working
1: on strategic planning? Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, conditions change or as you said, you don't have, the, the, you know, the, all the information. So maybe you have a health goal and in the middle of the year you get diagnosed with some disease. Well, now all of a sudden the goal changes, right? It's not, it's not about how many hours you're working out in the gym. It's about maybe I have a heart condition that, that I've got to, I've got to correct and it's getting through that. And so it's, it's okay being with able, being it's really about being able to adjust to the new realities as things go forward and make sure that the goal is relevant. And and so I have a couple of suggestions, assuming that you make a a goal that is based on accurate information and for your organization, you individually, that that, that you want to go forward. You know, one of the things that I, I failed to mention last time, you know, I talked about my health goal, because I, I want to be overall, I want to be a healthy individual. I also want to have great relationship with my wife. And so one of the things I do is, is I, as I bring those opportunities together as much as possible, like today, instead of running, I, I went on our trail with, with my wife, like, you know, you go for a walk and you hold hands. And, and for me, the goal is, is just about getting out there and, and, and exercising. And what what's happened is is now that I'm doing spending more time with my wife, my my times my speed is actually going down. And so I look at that and like why is my why is that happening? Why am I not being maybe you know I, it's like if my goal was all about you know how many times I'm going out there and how fast I'm I'm going and you know how great my my rates are, I would be dissatisfied. But since I've matched that with another goal which is spend time with my wife it's not about you know initially I started running up and I would meet her and then we would walk down together but it's more important for me to just be with her so I hike up with her and we hike down together but on the days that she's not there I go hard but as a result my overall times are coming down are worse than last year but that doesn't bother me because it's not important to me. What's important to me is being healthy and being with my wife. I don't know if that makes sense to you.
0: Oh, it totally makes sense, and I actually think it illustrates a really important concept, which is sometimes uh, what we want may at times contradict or compete. Uh, I, I I have this uh, I have this story or example that I share all the time with people. Uh, you know, back in the Back in the 90s, when I was really heavily involved in implementing uh, computer systems, you know, uh, I basically came to the realization that uh, in a for-profit institution, the only, the only uh, reason that you implement these things is to make more money. And generally, the systems that you implement can help you in a couple of ways. One is by making your process more efficient so you can do more in less time. And another is uh, by gathering more information so that you can make a better business decision. You get a better picture of what's really going on in your business. Sometimes these things are contradictory. You know? So uh, for example, um, in, the, in the motorcycle uh, or power sports business uh, back in that time, a lot of things were still done on paper And if a customer came in and needed a part and you didn't have it in stock, you know that I need to do a special order. Well, it would be very easy for the person at the parts counter to just write down on a piece of paper, I need to make sure I order this part. It's faster to do that than it is to look up the part number in the system and type the order in the system and get the customer's information and put it in the system if it's not already in the system and so on and so forth. And so you get pushback from people like, hey, you're making my life harder. Because the process, just, is, is, yeah,
1: is, the is. process
0: is actually less efficient than if I were just right. writing it on a piece of paper. But if I just write it on a piece of paper that I don't have anything in the system to have give me any information that I actually need to order this part. Or, uh, you know, I, I, if, if people just start writing stuff on notes, on Post-its all over the place, then we don't know what's actually going on in the business. So you know what? You actually have to put this stuff in the system even though it takes a little bit more time than if you just wrote it down on a piece of paper or if you didn't say anything to anybody and just stored it in your head and said, okay, at the end of the day, I just I, I need to remember that I got to order this part for Rob who came in and said he needed this part. This kind of stuff happens all the time. And I imagine this kind of stuff can happen all the time with goals too. Like you just mentioned, I've got these two goals. They're both important to me, but ultimately I've got, I've got a mental process that I can go through that says, you know what, I'm willing to give on this one a little bit so that I can achieve this other one and, uh, and make it better.
1: Well, that's interesting. You know, I think last time you brought up what Adrian used to say, it's not about having, you know, how much time you spend sweeping, but it's actually about creating a, 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 a clean floor, right? So sometimes goals can be perverse. And you brought up Tom Brady and and the Buccaneers. And I just learned that there are many organizations that create goals that that don't necessarily create the habits that that you want. So for example, uh, I don't know if you noticed in the game against Washington that even though the game was in hand, that Tom Brady kept passing to a certain individual. I don't know if you noticed that even like two yard passes, uh, you know, three yard passes until the very end when they, they, they got far enough and then they took a knee. Did you notice that? Well,
0: I don't know if I noticed it from the same vantage point of perspective that you noticed, but I noticed that, uh, uh, early on in the game, uh, the color commentator made a, made a comment about a particular player uh, and quoted Tom Brady, paraphrase tom brady saying that this player has the best hands that he's he's ever seen you know and he catches everything and then i noticed this player drop a number of passes (laughs) i'm like
1: well this is not
0: this is not what i'm talking about what i want to know is why they did until he until he actually started catching the ball which i thought was quite interesting but what do you what did you
1: what did you have well the question i have for you is why didn't they just run the ball out and and then run the timeout? why why did they keep passing when when the strategy to win would have actually been better to, to run the ball and, and, you know, get the clock to run out faster. I don't know. You give it, give us the, give us the answer here. The reason is, is that one of his teammates had an incentive to catch a certain number of passes in order to get a $250,000 bonus. And so in order to hit that number, the game before, I think he gave him. I can't remember several. I mean, it's like, 10 passes in a game and then he had to do it again this time and they hit i think he got 50 receptions and he gets a bonus well tom brady also has a kicker in his contract that if he makes so many completions that he got like eight hundred thousand dollars and so it was less about i mean they won the game but the focus was on 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 getting those individual those individual bonuses and i i'm not sure that I'm against that, but you have to be careful to make sure that it's not about just making the pass, that it's about winning. What do Uh, you think about it? It's very
0: apt, right? Um, Because the the incentives are in the contract for a reason. They're in the contracts because the owners believe that if you hit these incentives, our chances of winning are better. That's right? right. So, so that's why the incentives are in there in the first place. They are to incentivize the player to play at their best level, and they figure that if the player is playing at the best level, then the chance win, of winning goes up. Right, the chance of winning goes up. So the the incentives, I think, are they they come from a they come from a good place, right? Um, but you're right. If you're not careful with those incentives, you could create uh, situations where uh, people start to do things. For themselves at the expense of the team. And, and then the, the incentive becomes a perverse incentive. And I'm guessing that ties into goal setting by making sure that we set goals that actually help us achieve victory rather than that's right a, a Pyrrhic victory where we,
1: all right, we achieve this. Ooh, I, I like that word Pyrrhic. For those who are listening, who are not English speakers, why don't you define Pyrrhic? <laughs> well since you liked it
0: so much maybe i'll ask you to return the favor but basically um i know it goes back to it's empty yeah it's empty it's an empty it's an empty victory um it goes back to what greek roman uh yeah uh history
1: i, I just I, I just love that you use these great vocabulary words it stimulates me i'm trying I, to I, keep I, up with you spencer yeah <laughs> But you know what's interesting is that actually Tom Brady is an example of of a a leader who cares about the members of his team, and so was was considerate enough of this individual on the team to make sure that that they had the success that they needed. He was looking out for them. And that's in a way unselfish. I'm sure he was able to bring in other members of the team to say, hey, let's let's do this for, for our teammate. Because you know, if you're willing to do that for somebody else, then they might be willing to do it, do it for you. So I, I think it's also an example of, of great leadership. Well, we're getting a little off topic because these are fun things to talk about. Yet this idea of focusing on on passes is one of the first suggestions that I make in order to overcome that you know, that 9% number of people that only achieve their goals is simplify your resolutions. Break it down into smaller specific goals. So if you think about it, if the goal over the year for this player is to have 50 catches, then you know if you have 14 games, how many that you have to have on average per, per game. And that makes it, it mentally achievable because you say, I, I, I can do that, you know? And maybe if you... If you catch fewer one game, you might catch more the next game. But, you know, if we set too many intangible goals, the, the brain just can't go out and and find the answers to a question that is too nebulous. If you can focus your brain in a direction that is clear and easy to understand, then it can figure out ways to go out and achieve it. So that's the first thing is simplify the goal in a way that your brain can actually understand and and then can begin to problem solve on how to, how to achieve that. That's, that's really number one. So, so, you know, I, if I want to lose 25 pounds over the year, you know, I I can break that down into, into smaller goals, you know, on a, on a monthly basis. And uh, but if I, anyway, does that, does that all make sense? Yep. Yep. It does. Makes total, total sense. So the next thing you want to do is you want to focus on, On behaviors to achieve the goal, not just, you know, not just the goal. And so focusing on those actions that, that it will take to catch that many, that, that many passes, for example, running crisp routes and learning how to, how to, you know, to, to get away from the defender, or, you know, what are the, what kinds of things am I going to do to make sure I, I I limit my calorie intake and maximize my calorie burning. You know, that's the, those are the actions that are going to get you to to that that goal that you can control, right? And so for an athlete who is a receiver, they're going to be making sure that their their speed is is, you know they're going to be practicing running with resistance so that when they don't have that resistance they can be as fast as possible they're going to practice you know catching with their hands you talked about dropping balls well what can what kinds of drills and practices can i do that can simulate the, the the game where i can i can really practice getting my hands on those those balls i mean there's those kinds of things i can do to increase my percentage of uh, of reception assuming i'm i'm getting good throws and then third is regularly evaluate And that means you got to review each week. You look at your stats. You know, if if you're in sales, for example, and you have to make, you know, so many uh, uh, sales, how many calls does it take? Well, that will depend on, on how good your closing rate is. I mean, what's your closing ratio? And you have to track that. If it's 30%, then that's going to mean, you know, that you have to make a certain number of calls. If your closing ratio is 40%, that means you actually have to make less calls. But you got to know what those stats are so that your brain can say, okay, if I make 10 calls, I'm going to have three conversations. And if I have three conversations and I have a 33% close rate, I'm going to get one of them. You know, That's the kind of stuff that you need to be thinking about so your brain can understand, okay, how many calls do I need to make? I need to make 50 calls today or 100 calls today to get a hold of 10 people to make three sales or whatever that is. You've got to know what that that data is because then you can take the action and your brain can say, okay, I have to do X, Y, and Z. All
0: right, You've, you just illustrated a really fantastic example. There's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Yeah. So if my goal is to increase sales, in the example that you just gave, there are two ways that I can do that. Yes. Well, probably more than two, but just uh, just to make it simple, there are two ways. Yeah. Either I can increase the amount of calls, so I'm uh, growing the size of, of of my funnel. You know, I got more stuff coming in, more so prospecting. I got, so I got I, I can increase my prospecting, or I can increase my closing rate. If I'm which not is happy about with 30%, skill development, if I'm not happy with thirty percent, then I say, okay, well, what happens if I go to forty percent, which is increasing the the tapering of this funnel correct So it's not the size of it but it's the taper so i've got more coming out of the of the bottom end so when i'm setting my goal how do i know which one i should try you know or do i set myself up for failure if i try to do both or should i do one or the other i'll i'll, I'll go from uh 30% to 40% or i will go from 100 calls to 150
1: calls to achieve that same outcome. Well, this I, th- this is purely my opinion. I always believe it's better to work smarter than harder. So, I mean if you're all about just, you know, this this is a principle that I think um that uh, Stephen Covey talked about sharpening the saw, right? There's so many people that just go out and they're, they're sawing the logs and they just keep sawing and sawing and sawing. And they don't realize that if they would stop sawing for a minute and take some time to sharpen the blade, that the actual time they spent sawing that log would be diminished. They would get more done in less time. So personally, I'm somebody that says, you know what, if I can increase my skills, I can become more efficient at the, the touches that I have at, at, at being more proficient at helping people to, to get what they need, then my closing ratio improves if I learn how to do that with greater skill. And it's not just about tactics, it's about helping people be, get what they need and want. And when I get good at that, it's easier for me to, to get that, that higher closing ratio. And so you know, that takes less calls, which means I have time to pursue other things that I want to pursue. So it's like I said, where are you going to get your time for? If you want to spend more time with your family, is that at odds with the fact that you have to make 200 calls today? I don't know. I think that's something that, that I would look at. I mean, for me, I would always rather become more efficient and productive with the time that I have. Now, it's, it's good to have a work ethic and to keep driving and pushing really hard. But if I could get more with, with less time, that's the goal that I would focus on. That's just me personally. But, a, but, but I think a great, it's a fantastic principle and I think it's probably, for me at least,
0: uh, the most important takeaway of this conversation, which is, well, all right, if my goal is to lose weight, you know, uh, and I typically exercise 30 minutes a day, does, do I want to just keep doing the same stuff but increase it to 45 minutes a day? Or do I want to maybe kind of change up my routine a little bit, uh, do something that might be a little bit harder in the same 30 minutes, um, uh, to achieve a, a, a better result. You know, so well, what do you think?
1: Uh, I would probably like to keep it to 30 minutes if I could. <laughs> yeah. Well, so for me, that, that's a little different. Because one of the things I do is I don't, I don't go to the gym, I like to go outside, because part of part of the exercise going outside in the weather in the mountains is cathartic for me. So not only am I exercising, but I'm getting outside. So I'm I'm achieving. So, so you just, you just have to be clear about what's important to you. So for me, not only is important exercise, but it's important to get outside. So sometimes I end up doing a similar routine though. I go on different trails and and that stuff. So that may not be as efficient for me to lose, lose weight. Maybe I need to do Pilates. I don't know.
0: Well, it all depends on what your goal is, right? Because if your goal (laughs) is a more holistic uh, goal, that it's not just about burning calories, but it's also about, um, having quality of life and being Correct. able to enjoy the outdoors and kind of clear your mind, it clears it, my
1: mind. It clear. It makes. It just. It's good for
0: my soul. All right. Well. I appreciate this hour of soul food that we're
1: you not done. Are you are you done? Are we done? Oh my gosh, time yeah, is I going know. Time, too fast. Flies. time flies. Yeah. We've we've so so just a couple more things. All right. Number four, reward success, right? So when when you when you when you achieve something, I think one of the things you need to do is even little baby steps, you need to celebrate and recognize you're making progress. Um that's that's one thing. Um I think that there's another thing that you need to look at, and that is your behavioral tendencies. When it comes to certain goals, each behavioral profile, we've talked a lot about these over over the years, can actually create imbalance. I was working with an organization, and I I, want to just highlight this really quickly. I was working with an organization and I was talking about communication challenges that they have because the, the team overall was very much skewed to a certain type of personality that was typically conflict avoidant. And, and they were, they they just let things build up. And, you know, on on the other hand, there may be a team that spends too much time socializing and too much time talking. And they're like, well, we need to be more efficient. Well, you're working against your personality, right? And those that that are conflict avoidant, they wanted to be more assertive. And so knowing the fact that they have that personality is, is important because it's going to be hard for them when they start talking, they start running into me in the hallway, right? And I have something that I want to talk to them about. And they're just like, um, I, I don't have time to listen to this, but I don't want to be rude. But they need to learn how to, to prepare to be assertive in a way that is not confrontative. So, for example, Christian, if you came to me or I came to you and you knew I was somebody that was very gregarious and I could steal your time, and, but you want to be more assertive, but that's not your personality. One of the things you might learn how to do is, is I come to you, hey, Christian, you got five minutes. And the question you might ask me is, um, I have two minutes, but if you really need five minutes, I can talk to you a little bit later. So learning how to take charge of the conversation without creating that that conflict would really help you. But you have to know that that's part of your behavioral profile. Next, have an accountability partner that you can report to. We talked a little bit about that. I think that's really, really important. And when you have that and you have your weekly check-ins, then you can see the progress that you're having. And I think that's really gonna help people get beyond that 9% success rate to a higher success rate in achieving their goals. There, did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) I think we got it all
0: in. (laughs) Good. All right, well, Spencer, um, as always, it's it's a joy to speak with you and learn from you. If listeners want to learn more about how you could help them set goals this year, whether it's personal goals Family goals or organization goals. What's the
1: best way for them to reach out and contact you? Thank you, Christian. That's very nice. It's uh, uh, Spencer at AltiumLeadership. dot com is my email address, or go to our website. Spencer, <laughs> that's my email address again. Go to our our website at altiumleadership.com dot com, and you can you can message us there. And Christian, how can people get a hold of of you for the same? purposes to help them with your, with their goals, with your experience? Ah, well, you can email me at
0: cnapier at gp4.com. That's g-p-f-o-u-r.com. You can go to the website gp4.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn, Christian Napier. So thank you very much, Spencer. Listeners, please like, and subscribe to our podcast. Good luck with your goal setting this year, and we'll catch you again soon.